Law Focus Podcast. Law Focus, handing you your rights. Good evening to all of you, our listeners, and welcome to Law Focus on Vow FM 88.1. It's just gone 7 o'clock, and my name is Tapa Mahapi. I'll be your host for tonight. We're going to have an amazing show tonight because we'll be speaking about law and order uh, as well as vigilantism. Does law and order actually exist in this country? We've seen recently there has been a spate of violence and it's a very important topic because of the situation we find ourselves in both this week and in recent times. This is a country where we've again witnessed people taking the law into their own hands. Yesterday it was at Brackenfell High School, that's in the Cape. Uh, a couple of weeks ago it was in Senegal in the Free State. And uh, and a few months ago, if I'm not mistaken, it was, and not that long ago, it was all around the country in the cliques debacle. And again, time and time again, we have this question of law and order. Do we have it in this country? And what is vigilantism? Uh, where do we draw the line? So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, the one of the, the the most perhaps topical issue that has happened recently uh, is that EFF members were attacked by parents at Breckenfell High School. Um, this was after some pupils at Breckenfell High School hosted what they term a private event uh, where only white students attended. Now, yesterday, violence erupted at the school after members of the EFF protested peacefully outside the school. And it was their protest was in relation to uh, this matric farewell. And, I mean, there's no other way of putting it. It was, it was a matric farewell. We can put it, quote-unquote, a private event. But it was designed as a matric farewell. And it was intended to be a matric farewell. And so it was. And further, it was a whites-only matric farewell. Uh, and this incident now caused a lot of debate on on um, on on social media, in particular the violence that erupted between parents of the school who purported to be protecting the school quote unquote and members of the EFF who were then protesting against what they perceived to be a racist organization in terms of the party now thank you for joining us uh, on viofm eighty eight point one and you can always keep in touch with us uh, if you want to contribute to the conversation. You can call us on 011-717-9881. We're here to talk about legal issues and things that are relevant to your life from a legal point of view. Fortunately, we live in a country where there's never a dull moment for better or for worse. Uh, you can also join us on our various social media platforms. You can be part of the show and you can get engage with us on Twitter at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. Uh, on Facebook, we're VowFM. For podcasts, you can visit vits.journalism.co.za forward slash law. Or you can also vi- visit the Vits Radio Academy page on IONO. We're also available on Spotify, so you can use that application as well. Now, let's start with uh, the first feature of the show. It's one of my favorites, the legal hotspots. Let's have a look at what the legal hotspots are, the, the best legal stories of the week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. Right, now we move to perhaps a slightly more 
sensitive topic in that the court has asked um, the department is going potentially to ask the court to extend its uh, foster care orders deadline. According to the Pretoria News, the Department of Social Development is going to approach the High Court in Gauteng, of Gauteng, sorry, in Pretoria for an extension of another two years to try and sort out issues around the foster care system. The department says it will argue that it needs the extension of the previous court order as it's still finalizing the development and implementation of a comprehensive legal solution as to how to ensure that uh, foster care orders do not lapse in the meantime. Uh, an agreement was reached between the party and other stakeholders, this was roughly a year ago, uh, that the current uh, outstanding foster care orders will remain valid and that order would lapse at the end of this month. The publication also reports that this time frame, uh, what they're looking to do is to extend it until November of 2022. Uh, this this new bid to extend it, uh, the, the, the time frames is followed by an order which was uh, emulated from 2017 where the court placed a moratorium on the lapsing of foster care orders. Social development has given two years to come up uh, with legislation to streamline uh, the the, the current uh, legislation around foster care, uh, which is wholly inadequate. It's something of a pity uh, that in two years we're back where we were asking the court to extend it. And, and and that's also stemming from 2007. So it's been coming for a long time. And now, essentially, we're going to be five years in limbo on this question. Moving now more towards the um, labor side of things, Trade Union Solidarity is, is planning to turn to the Gauteng High Court in Pretoria again. And this is for an urgent application against the South African Post Office. And it's in a bid to secure some of the workers' rights. Uh, this is again according to the Pretoria newspaper. Uh, it's, it's reports that Solidarity has sent a letter of demand and has given the post office until close of business that, on yesterday, that was Monday, to provide proof that it has complied with all of its statutory and contractual obligations towards its employees to date. The post office received a slight reprieve in September of this year when the court dismissed an application by its retirement fund to force the company to pay its statutory obligations. The pension fund at the time had turned to the court to try and force the post office to contribute to the workers' pension fund. During this application, the uh, post office, in in essence, admitted that it had no money. What it also said was that only 55 of its 1,416 branches were profitable during lockdown. And it also conceded that staff salaries cost about 1.2 billion rand. Um, and this accounts for nearly two-thirds of its expenses. Nevertheless, it's important that an employer must comply with his statutory obligations, whether it's an SOC or not. So that would be a very important decision when it does come. And turning again now to the Cape in Brackenfell, where we have really what we can only describe as truly horrific scenes uh, of violence, racial tension. It's ugly, but it is a real part of South Africa. The citizen has reported that Brackenfell High School has brought an urgent application requesting uh, an interdict against the economic freedom freedom fighters. 
Uh, and this was confirmed by the Premier Alan Windy. Now, the Cape, Western Cape government is not bringing the application. It is the school itself. Uh, this is following the fact that on Monday, EFF protesters, um, they gathered outside the school uh, to protest against a whites-only private event, um, which was held by pupils who attended at that school. It it appears that black pupils were not invited to that at all. Of course, some white students were not invited at all as well. But according to the publication, Brackenfell community members have disputed the allegation of racism, uh, saying that the event was open to all pupils who could attend. Uh, after heated exchanges and provocation, punches and rocks being thrown and baseball bats being used on women, might I add. Um, police moved to disperse the crowd that had gathered outside the court. Cape Tech further reported that the EFF would open a case of assault against the police um, at the police station after uh, a female member of the party was beaten with a baseball bat. Uh, most recently, in is that uh, according to ENCA, the urgent application was denied today, but the EFF did give an undertaking that it would not disrupt any matric examinations. The matter continues on Monday in the Western Cape High Court in order for parties to file proper papers. So the matter's not over yet, but the first hurdle did not go the way of the school. Lastly, Mr. Ace Mahashule, finally a warrant of arrest has been issued against him for him to uh, appear on charges of corruption, money laundering, fraud, all sorts of things like that. It only was issued very recently, earlier today, and that's a developing story. Thank you. That are the legal hotspots, the hottest legal stories of the week. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week. Legal hotspots. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome back to Low Focus. You're with me, Tap Mahapi. Thank you for joining us tonight. We always love having you with us. It's 11 minutes past 7. And as I said a little bit earlier, we're discussing law and order and vigilantism. Law and order is a really important thing because we have seen protest marches recently, which has occurred this month, for example, in Senegal, uh, and also the EFF uh, forcing the closure of all clicks outlets throughout the country because of their advert. Uh, but are a lot of these uh, acts lawful? Or are we seeing the frustrations of citizens boiling over um, and they feel as though you know they're not being heard and nothing can be done if they don't act? Now, it's been reported in the media that our country is the sixth least secure out of 160, 142 countries within uh, with an index value of 58. Now, that's according to Gallup uh, 2018 Global Law and Order Report. South Africans, by international standards, they feel very insecure um, living in this country. And actually, it's not that unusual for our SADC region. We're joined by Botswana with an index of 61. It's the ninth least secure country and Zambia which has got a score of 62 and it comes in at 13th from the bottom. The Global Law and Order Index is an annual survey and it's conducted by Gallup uh, and the aim of the survey is to check how safe people feel in their countries. Now tonight we're in conversation with uh, Gauteng Police Spokesperson Captain Kema Kubela 
I'll be touching on this topic with him tonight. Uh, thank you, Captain, for joining us. Good evening. Thank you, and good evening to the listeners. It's always a pleasure speaking to you, uh, Captain. Uh, let, let, let's start perhaps by looking at the, uh, the vigilantism aspect of it. When do we have acts of... What do police or law enforcement consider acts of vigilantism? Yes. Um, this is when a community take the law into their own hands and that we condemn that as the police and appealing to the community to work hand in hand with the police to uh, get rid of the criminals within the society. Mm. Mm. But if the community themselves feel uh, that uh, the law is taking long and they think that they want to take a double up by uh, assaulting and ending up killing uh, the suspect that on its own is not acceptable mm, 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 mm. so it's the act of taking the law into your name self self-help is is, is is that a growing problem in south africa is it common for south africans to take the law into their own hands or do we have isolated incidents which are simply uh, being prom- or being exposed more? Uh, is it quite common for this problem to occur in this country? Well, it's it isolated uh, problem, but however, uh, we see things happening from time to time uh, where you found that uh, people are feeling that the law taking long. For an example, today, as I'm speaking to you now, there was a child who was reported missing in Eden Park, and um, when they reported the matter, police searched the child around, and the child was found murdered in the open space. Uh, Police made an effort to trace and able to get the suspect and arrest those suspects. But community, because they are angry and these things just happened, they wanted the police to release the suspect so that they can uh, deal with them themselves, mm. which is wrong. Mm. Because at the end, you become a, a, a criminal yourself if you take the law into your own hand, only to find that you were thinking that you want to uh, fix the problem. Uh, meanwhile, the only way to fix the problem is to report and work hand in hand with the police so that the suspect can then try it. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, if, if a police officer is there and... Uh, it, it indicates to me that this problem is actually quite quite serious where you have police officers there 
and the, the, the community, even in the presence of police officers, then says, but we want them here. Um, it's one thing if, if the police officers haven't arrived yet and something does happen. I'm not condoning that. Uh, but if it happens away from the police officers and the police officers arrive at a later stage, one can almost sort of understand. But where we have a situation that um, acts of vigilantism can be attempted right in the presence of a police officer, is that not worrying? It is. That's why we we, we had to, 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 to deploy more manpower in the area mm. to make sure that we stabilize the situation and indeed as i'm speaking to you now the situation is under control Mm. but what we are condemning and what we are appealing to our community is that uh, when they ask things like that it's for them to report even to arrest the suspects the law allows them there is a, a, a a an act which allows the a citizen arrest, mm. which uh, the only thing which we have as a problem is that community in most cases, after uh, 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 arrested the the suspect and handed the suspect to the police, uh, they don't want to uh, submit a statement which supports their action and Mm. also which is going to stand in court because it's of no use for the community to arrest the suspect. And when we're supposed to get statement, we don't get it because that on its own is going to give the court a problem to say how was this suspect arrested and for what? Yes. So if you have submitted a statement and indicate as to what happened and why you took that action of apprehending the suspect, mm. then the court will be able to take a decision and prosecute the suspect and stand trial. But this needs uh, more and more education, education to the community so that they can understand and uh, make sure that they become good citizens. And we know that as South Africans, most of our community, they are good citizens. They don't want to see people committing crime. And they do sometimes take action. And so that action is very important if you can take it, hand over the person to the police, submit your statement, and the matter go to court. Right. That is what we are always teaching and uh, talking during our campaign with mm. the community to say this is how you must do things, but not to take the law into our own hands by beating and end up killing the suspect and think that it will solve the problem. Yeah. Well, it, it, it could cause a new problem. Well, taking the law into your own hands, you know, we've clarified now that arresting a suspect is perfectly acceptable, uh, but that arrest should be followed up with your cooperation as a citizen who made the arrest um, in order to secure um, the person's conviction at a later stage. There's, there's no point in, in arresting a suspect 
and then not following through or arresting a suspect and then actually taking the law into your own hands. It's just gone 21 minutes past seven. We're in discussion with uh, Gauteng Police Spokesperson Captain K. Makubela and we're discussing law and order and vigilantism, uh, which at the moment is an extremely important topic within our country because there's a perception that law and order doesn't exist, that one must do it themselves. So if you've just joined us, uh, welcome to the show. Now, Captain, if I see... A, a, a drastic crime, say, for example, something quite violent, let's say a, a robbery of some sort or a mugging is being committed, and I take drastic action to try and stop it. Now, of course, as a citizen, it's, it's clear that I may attempt to stop it, but at what point do I now begin to become a perpetrator? At which point do I cross over and stop becoming a normal citizen and trying to enforce the law and become also part of the problem by becoming a vigilante and um, when if you see someone robbing someone and or a a young person robbing an elder person mm. uh, well if you assess and see that you can apprehend or you can get a support from the other community members to apprehend the suspect, you are allowed to do so. But however, we, we, we want to question the community members. If you see that that person is uh, in position of a dangerous weapon, for an example, in a firearm, mm. don't attempt to do that. What you must do, get a place where you can quickly call the police so that they can come and attend to the matter as quick as possible. Because at the end of the day, as a citizen, as much as someone is committing a crime and you are seeing that person is committing a crime and uh, you want to help, but even though you want to help, you are lying. It's very important. Come first. So you must make sure that you assess the situation. If you feel that where you are, you can able to apprehend the suspect, do it. Mm. But ask other people to assist you. Don't arrest the suspect and start beating the suspect. End up uh, inviting other people to come and assist you, beat the suspect. Because Mm. at the end of the day, that suspect may lose his life. Yes. So that on its own is not allowed. So people must be aware that once you do such things, you must know that you become a suspect as well. The idea which you had of stopping the person to commit crime, it, it become none because you become a suspect and the police, when they come, they will end up also arresting you. That person, even though they might be uh, witnesses to say, uh, indeed, you acted because this was happening, but the disease will no more there to answer for himself. Hmm. And then you are going to answer for, for the disease and for yourself. And now you put yourself in a dangerous position 
then you become a criminal on your own. You are now the suspect. <laughs> yeah. But one of the complaints, Captain, that citizens would have, and it's a, it's quite a common one, is that the reason that they go to the extent that they do in trying to curb crime, beating people, etc., is because they feel as though criminals get away with everything. They, they don't get arrested, but if they do get arrested, they're released on bail or they're acquitted or the case never goes anywhere or the, or the docket is stolen or the docket is sold. All sorts of frustrations that exist that make people simply not trust law and order and say, I'm going to handle this myself and therefore I'm, 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 I'm going to solve this problem. I don't trust anybody else to solve this problem. Do, does the police, do the police uh, as, a, as, as an organization, are they are sensitive to, to that sentiment that people are not always confident that a perpetrator is going to get justice? Uh, you see, somewhere community become frustrated is true. Because you found that from the side of the police, we arrest the suspect, we take the suspect to court, and the suspect is granted bail. Police are not granting bail, but the bail is granted by the court. And also the court, as much as I'm not speaking for the court now, but also for the court, they exercise the constitution that a person has got a right to bail if he is not a risk mm. or is not dangerous to the society or his life is not in danger. That person can be given bail. Remember, for a person to be released on bail, it's not that the person's case is over. Also, to keep the person in jail while he was still waiting to trial, it's not a punishment. Or we, we have to punish a person by keeping him. Meanwhile, he can be released at the end and they can come and attend the court. Mm. So people must understand that they, this is the exercise of the constitution of the country. And everybody is innocent until proven guilty. If you say the court found the suspect guilty and someone have, have released him, and then you can, you can and I, we will want to know how that person did that. But if it is the processes which made the person to be released, people have to be patient, have to wait, have to wait for the court and support the victim, support everything which needs to be supported by submitting statements if need be, so that that person can be prosecuted properly and sentenced and sent away from the society. That is what people must understand. We don't release people on bail as the police. And even if there is a police bail where we, we are allowed to do these minor cases, 
by doing so, it is not meaning that the person is now getting away from his crime, from his criminality. The only thing is people must understand that the right of the Constitution, which is in line with the Constitution, have to be practiced. Mm. And we have to make sure that we educate our community, as I'm, I'm saying to you, that our duty is to go and talk to Oh, I'm losing you there. When you release them, yes, end up going and commit other things. That is what frustrates the, com- the community. Yes. And what is supposed to happen? If you see that person, he has been arrested and is committing other crimes, apprehend him, call the police. Then when the person is sent to, to, j- to jail, and then we will explain to say, this man was released on bail, and he went out and committed another crime. But still, the person still has got a right to apply for a bail if he has got uh, that guard to do so. And if the court feels that they can release him again, they can release him. But that on its own is what frustrates mm. the community. No, no, I hear you. I hear. Why? Why this? But the only thing is we have to exercise the law as it is. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the frustrations of the community can sometimes go and boil over uh, and they lead to acts of vigilantism, uh, a feeling of despair. No one can condone vigilantism, uh, but it does happen from a place of despair. Now, if you've just joined us and you're listening from outside of the province, you can still reach us by live streaming us on VOWFM. And for those who've just joined us, we're in conversation with Captain K. Makubela. We're discussing law and order and vigilantism. It's 31 minutes past uh, past 7 o'clock. And we are talking about what has got to be one of the more difficult conversations to have in our country at the moment. Captain, a, a few months ago, uh, we had the clicks debacle where we had all sorts of protest marches and people feeling exceptionally upset about the racist cliques advert. And then a few weeks ago, we had the situation in Senegal where farmers also took the law into their own hands. And yesterday, we witnessed the really horrific, quite disgusting scenes that happened at Brackenfell. Now, one has to ask the question, uh, because it is so worrying that these things happen, are the police capable and prepared to deal with situations where things escalate and they turn violent as they did yesterday, as they did a couple of weeks ago in Senegal, and as they did a couple of months ago um, all over the country at the cliques offices? Can I as a citizen sleep peacefully knowing that the police will contain the situation? Yes, indeed. We've got a unit which is dealing with the public violence. Where there is a riot, these units are the ones who go to those areas. And they are called public order policing. And these public order policing, they are trained to deal with the crowd management. Mm and to make sure that they assess the situation and act where necessary. 
But where they see that if they intervene, that this can escalate to a more loss of life. The police, they know what to do. Even if they are there, they make sure that they contain the situation. But people always put blame in the police to say, why the police didn't act? Why didn't they shoot? Why didn't they do one, two, and three? Mm. And of which the police, they assess the situation. Those public order policing have been trained to make sure that they maintain law and order where it is violent. And they are doing well. Because we've seen in most of the time, for an example, where you found that uh, people are violent and assaulting each other, what is very important, the public order policing every time, where they go, they go with the camera, the video camera man or the crew who is doing his job in that uh, uh, vicinity. And, 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 and that's to capture the incidents. Yes. We know that when everything is over, there will be a case open and the case will be investigated. Who, who, whose responsibility involved, would be? Would it be to open the case? Would it be the police? The police. All the right. Police, not necessarily police. someone who no, witnessed not, it. No, not someone else. Okay. We open a case of public violence and then we investigate. We identify the culprits. We identify the victims, and then we go and get statements. And those people, in most cases, we arrest them one by one. Right. And then by that time, you will be in a crowd. You will be in your house alone. And then we will come and pick you up and make sure that you go and stand for your deeds. So people must not think when the police are there and monitor the situation and things look like it's going out of hand the police are doing nothing they are standing and watching we are not watching but the people who are trained to do their job they are doing it in a proper way and all this is to avoid what happened in Marokana as everybody in the country the whole world saw what happened but that thing it cannot be repeated Itself. On our streets that, in particular. That is why we make sure that we maintain law order with the people who have been trained. If you are not a public order policy, a police, you will be at the back of the public order police. The public order police will maintain law and order and will engage with the people who are involved. But knowing very well that at the end, our culprits will be found, and they will go and stand in court. Okay, Captain. We could talk about this all night, but we are now come. We have to come to a close in our interview. It was extremely informative speaking to you, and we thank you for your time. Um, it's always good to speak to you. That was Captain K. Makubela, the spokesperson.
for the Gauteng police. And he gave us advice on what we can and can't do as citizens in this country in terms of law and order and what is vigilantism, what the consequences of being a vigilante can be for you as a citizen. I hope you listen to his advice and that you can trust our legal system going forward. Let's hope that those convictions and cases will be opened. Uh, thank you very much, Captain Makibul. Law Focus on VARFM 88.1. Point of Information. All right, welcome back to Law Focus on VARFM 88.1. It's 21 minutes before 8 o'clock tonight, and we're focusing on law and order. Uh, tonight, we're also discussing vigilantism, its consequences, some of its roots, and uh, some of the frustrations that people feel uh, when they take the law into their own hands. And it's, you know, vigilantism is where a group of people take the law into their own hands, where they feel as though justice isn't going to be served and they're going to do it themselves. In recent weeks, we've witnessed various events where people have taken the law into their own hands. Uh, and people normally do this where they feel that their their voices aren't being heard or they don't have confidence that in the end justice will be served and so they end up doing what they feel they need to do to protect themselves. Whether they do it right or wrong is a question for a different day, but that's the motivation often. Uh, now, police research conduct well, oh, sorry, a research conducted in the last few years in Northern Cape and Western Cape on the causes on in, uh, the increased violence in the respected provinces. Now, the research showed that people believed that the law protected criminals more than it protected them. There was a lack of feedback from cases that the police were investigating. Police corruption was another big reason. An ineffective delivery system, uh, delivery in the justice system. And this is why people lost confidence in the justice system and then resorted to mob violence. Now, we're going to be joined by Elizabeth Nivot, and she's a legal aid head uh, office in Tembisa. And we, she's also going to be discussing vigilantism with us tonight. Welcome to Law Focus, Elizabeth. Thank you for being part um, of the show. E- Hi. Evening. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's always a pleasure to Fine, speak thanks. to you. Um, now, we, we, we've touched on you know, what vigilantism is and... Um, uh, perhaps you could just clarify for us what specifically would be the consequences, law and the legal consequences. What can they be of you can of a person becoming, you know, involved in mob justice? What can happen? Yeah, I'm yeah. um, sorry. Before we continue, I just want to say that line is a bit bad. So if I ask you to repeat something, I'm apologizing in advance. Not a problem. Um, okay. Now, um, and if you're part of mob justice uh, and and uh, partaking in that kind of activity and if you then commit a crime in say in terms of maybe burning down or burning a car or breaking into a premises i mean that is still a crime so even if you meant well in participating in a in some kind of action you can still be prosecuted then as um, somebody that broke the law and mm, mm, mm. now will will a court ever be lenient Based on the fact that I'm frustrated with what has happened, I've been broken into ten times, I've had my car stolen, I've been held up, and now there's this person who is right in front of me, and I am going to let them have it, and the person ends up being seriously injured or killed. This is now the suspect. Um, are the courts lenient about things like that, or do they say, "But hang on, this is still self-help"? Yeah, yeah I think you know that saying of two wrongs doesn't make a right. Um, you know, I think um, the court does 
expects you to uh, not go to the level of the the person you are accusing of doing harm to you. So the court um, is not going to be more lenient with you than maybe the person that broke into your house. You know, crime is a crime. Um, so the, you can't say, yeah, no, but, you know, this or that or the following, yeah, you must be sympathetic, um, taking the law into your own hands. The courts do frown upon that. Mm, 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 mm. So, uh, I mean, even as upset as one might be, you can end up on the wrong side of the law simply by trying to be on the right side of the law. That's if you go too far and you and you don't do what you're supposed mm. to do. Yeah. Um, you know, before uh, reminding... Uh, sorry, I'm making a little bit of a, a fluff here. We're talking to uh, Elizabeth Nevote and we're talking about law and order vigilantism. If you've just joined us, it's almost quarter to, to eight. And um, we're talking about something which is very important because over the last couple of weeks and months, a lot of incidents have happened where citizens of this country have taken the law into their own uh, hands. Now, Elizabeth, why is it that it feels that South Africa is becoming a country where there is no faith in law enforcement and the courts? If I have a problem, I'm going to resolve it. I know there's a court system. I know there's law enforcement, whether it's uh, SAPS or it's the Metro Police or whatever the case. I know they exist. But so many citizens get up and just say, I'm going to resolve this myself. How have we come to that? Yeah. Well, I think think on paper all these systems exist. You know, like you say, there's the police, there's the Metro Police. Um, you know, there's all these institutions, but if you knock on the door of that institution, then um, the tendency is more of, okay, well, it's not me. Let's go to go to um, door 2.3, and then when you get to door 2.3, go to office 3.1. Mm. You know, so I think any normal person can only be sent from, from one office to another or one institution to another, and then they're going to turn around and say, you know what? Yes, on paper, the police exist, but really, you know, mm. um, are they there to make my life easy or are they there to make my life difficult? And I think currently the feeling is that the police are actually there to make my life difficult mm. and not to make it easy for me to report a crime, um, follow up on a report, um, because at Legal Aid we get a lot of people walking in and say, you know what, I made a case, um, I have no idea what's going on. If I go to the police station, they refer me to another police station. Um, so it's really, it, I think it's not user-friendly. Mm. And if something is not user-friendly, then people well, is going to stop using it. Yeah, yeah. And people will become frustrated with that system and mm-hmm. say, but why Why must I be subjected to this? I'm not the one who did anything wrong here. Wrong, yes. You no, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example of my own experience. And um, in the last two years, I would say I've been the victim of two serious crime breaking in my home and an attempted hijacking. Mm-hmm. Now, for me to open the case on both incidents was a struggle, and of course nothing has happened since then. I haven't had a, a telephone call. at all. These are two serious crimes where life and limb were at risk. Yeah. And, and, it, and I'm uh, relatively fortunate that I'm an attorney. I live in a not-so-bad area, and I can express myself relatively well. Mm-hmm. And it must be 
incredibly difficult for someone perhaps with less fortunate circumstances faced with similar crimes being the victim mm. of similar crimes to get their point across and to feel as the, I'm, I'm still waiting two years later uh, for fingerprints to be taken mm. or for anything to happen is yeah. is justice becoming a pipe dream in this country except for uh, one or two people maybe who live in a beautiful uh, the, the few people who live in a beautiful golf estate etc is it <laughs> yeah, now I, becoming a pipe dream yeah. I think, you know, what you're saying is also in terms of, um, it, it, I think people, the, the, the less fortunate feel that they don't have access because let's take your example, for example, um, to say that you went to the police station um, and you might be fortunate enough to have a car. So for you to make follow-up or dot, you have money on your phone mm. to call. Mm. Um, but for the less, the, the vulnerable, um, I mean, that's, 15 rand they're going to use to take the taxi to the nearest police station, they might only have that 15 rand once. They mm-hmm. don't have it again um, mm-hmm. to go back the next day or the next day after that to go and try to do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Because that 15 rand or 20 rand is going to buy um, a bread or milk or um, some fruit. Um, so I think really there is this idea that like you say, you know, the justice is accessible if you live in a in a golf estate, yeah. which is which is not right. I mean, um, justice should be accessible for for everyone. If you live in a, a golf estate or a suburb or a, an informal settlement, um, access should be uh, or justice should be accessible. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's where the frustration also comes in. It. So yeah. I, I don't know what do you want me now to do. Yeah. Um, I've tried the right way. Um, you know, so let me try my way. Yeah, and my way is quick. I don't have to wait months and, and, and <laughs> months and weeks yeah, in, no, in, no. in order to fix the, the, this problem. And, and ultimately, you have to ask the question, um, uh, in a system that works, it shouldn't rely on being prompted by the victim, constantly being prodded by the victim. Mm. You know, the victim should input what they need. That means that the docket, the criminal complaint. And yeah. then from there, the investigation should occur. All of those, the labs should kick in. All of those things should kick in simply by being operational, which I don't think we have. And I'm not being vicious to this country, to, to, to our citizens at all. Um, not to us. I'm not being vicious to our law enforcement at all. I'm just stating what I think. We simply don't have a situation that allows mm-hmm. for people to be confident about it. No, no, that's unfortunately true. You know, I have to agree with you. you know, the, the system, um, again, I think somebody wrote a very nice manual, but the implementation of that manual is not, it's not happening. It's not, not happening. Yeah, we're talking to Elizabeth Niebert from Legal Aid. Legal Aid South Africa um, is a massive um, legal services provider within the country, particularly uh, for uh, uh, people who meet the means test. They are available all over the country, and they um, assist the public with all manner of court cases. We're discussing a law and order and... Um, vigilantism and where as a country we are we seem to be going perhaps sometimes going wrong um we we're beginning now to see some accountability um in terms of people being held accountable at higher levels um so we have the zondo commission we have all sorts of things like that that which exist and 
we now have some arrests. But for a long time, it seemed as though there wasn't accountability. There wasn't um, uh, re- repercussions for being a bad person. As long as you, not being, for being a criminal, for as long as you were politically connected. Do you think that that also plays a part in our su- suspiciousness of authority? I think for sure, um, because I mean, any normal average citizen is going to look at all of this and say, well, you know, um, I drive 125 kilometers per hour, the Metro Police pulls me over and gives me a ticket, but there's mm. another guy that steals 8 million rands, but, you know, he's still walking around, so mm. what's the difference? You know, mm. why am I being given a ticket, but the other person who also is committing a crime is, you know, it's not getting, there's no consequence. So, I, you know, I think it is the human, you know, to say that I do something wrong, I get punished, but um, the next person does something wrong and not get punished. So why, you know, why should I toe the line? Mm. Clearly, towing the line is um, okay, um, and there's no real consequences. So why, you know, what? So well, everybody will do what they want mm. um, because there's no consequences. We were speaking earlier to Captain My. Uh, Makabula, who was who who indicated that some of the frustrations which exist uh, within the community around you know people being granted bail and and perhaps not you know not not being convicted etc. Some of that stems from people not understanding the law, its processes. For example, that bail is a right, um, mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things. In your experience at Legal Aid. Um, is there that disconnect between what people understand the law to be and how it actually is in practice? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. You know, I deal with um, a lot of family law issues, so divorces, that kind of thing. Mm. And there's a belief that still in all these years that, for example, if you leave the house first, you like guilty and you're going to lose everything in a mm. divorce, mm. which is utter nonsense. Mm. But, I mean, there's that, um, I like to call them urban legends. Oh, yeah. You know, that, and I think also with regards to the criminal um, procedure and the criminal courts, there's these urban legends that, that still go around. Um, so I think from, from institutions like Legal Aid, from the, maybe the Legal Practice Council, the police, the, um, the prosecuting authority, you know, there is some kind of duty to also educate, to say, and I know we can do it, I mean, to be, it's not going to mean anything for the man in the street if we go and we explain bail and we do it on a very high level kind yeah. of way. I mean, that's going to mean nothing, but I'm sure there's, there's other ways that we can educate to say, yes, but this is how bail works, works. and this yeah. is why you would get bail. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't look like so unfair um, for the person looking into the case just from the outside mm-hmm. um, on exactly why the person got bail. Especially the idea that um, the granting of bail is some sort of exoneration and the denial of bail is some sort of conviction, you know, mini mm. conviction, which is, it, it, it never is. And that's a it difficult one yeah. uh, for mm. people to sometimes grasp because they will have someone arrested today, a week later they're out, but they're out on bail and they forget frustration. Mm. But how can this person be out? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's really, yeah, you have a, yeah, no, you, you summarize it very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's one of those things that I think as, 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 as a country, we do really need to educate our citizens mm. on mm. the law, the provisions of the law and how the, our criminal um, law actually operates. Yeah, yeah, not for sure. Well, Elizabeth, it was fantastic having you, as always. Um, we have uh, a lot to discuss, but we can't discuss everything all in one day. It was just a, a conversation which um, I think needed to be had today, especially in light of yesterday's events, which are uh, really a blot on, on our conscious. Uh, and it was very good to have you on the show to, spread some, to shed some light on the topic. It's a big pleasure. Uh, that was Elizabeth Nebo. She's the legal. Um, she's at Legal Aid Head Office in Tembisa, and she was sharing with us, among other things, uh, the dangers of taking the law into your own hands, and whether the justice system is perceived to be unobtainable for victims of crime. Thank you, Elizabeth, for joining our show. Uh, it's always important for us to perhaps, at moments like this, reflect on what we are and where we're going as a country. Uh, we saw yesterday what it means to disrespect the law. We saw yesterday, we saw two weeks ago what it means to disrespect the law. And we saw it again a few months ago with EFF clicks, protests. We saw it with Sinekal. We saw it yesterday. Where you not only disrespect law and order itself, but also the other person's right. Perhaps it is to protest peacefully. Perhaps it is um, to a freedom of assault. Whatever it is. One has to wonder whether South Africans like to talk about their rights before they speak about the rights of other people. So I don't like what you're saying. I don't agree with what you're protesting about. I don't agree with what you believe and therefore you can't protest. Therefore you can't say what, I, what you want to say. Um, that is something which we should really be careful of. That is something we should really fight. It is an abomination to the democratic society which we are trying to build. Well, I'm not going to preach. That is us from tonight. That's all that we have for you tonight. Um, that was uh, Kema Kubela as well as Elizabeth Nivot from Legal Aid. Kema Kubela is the Gauteng Police Spokesperson. Uh, from our uh, producer, Rifile Mekwa, our technical producer, Kutwana Serame. Thank you for putting the show together. And from myself, Tapmab, it's always a pleasure being with you on Tuesday evenings. We wish you, we wish that you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for tuning in. Let's meet again, as always, next time, uh, next week, at the same time, at the same place, on Law Focus. Point, point of information. Law Focus Podcast.